You're listening to a sermon from Plus Life, a church that exists to see lives changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our prayer is that you will be stirred in your heart and renewed in your mind as you hear the preaching of God's word today. Go ahead and tell someone the title of my sermon this morning, Submission with a Mission. Submission with a Mission. Amen. Good morning, Plus Life. Glad to be back here in the house of the Lord. We definitely missed you all for the past two weeks. Uh, of course, last week, we were, my family should have been here, but we got sick the, the week prior to the event that we went. But thankfully, we, we've been on the road to recovery. I, of course, I sound like Batman right now, but I assure you, I'm getting better. I'm getting well. Uh, so so, no, so not, not, nothing to worry about here. Uh, but again, very thankful for the, the, the speakers who've been able to step into the pulpit and be able to speak uh, to us and, and continue the series that we've been going on called Ecclesia. And of course, this series uh, that we've been looking at, are, we're, we're looking at the responsibilities and expectations that, that, that we have for believers that who, who, who are part of the local church. And not just those who are part of the local church, but in Christians in general. So... So far, we've looked at in the past few weeks the necessity to pursue Christ as a believer and how that pursuit looks like is cultivating spiritual disciplines in our lives, whether it's reading the word or whether it's prayer or gathering together for corporate worship. In week two, my good friend, Pastor Josiah, came and and speak on the necessity to pursue holiness. And as believers, we, we must make the effort to be holy in every aspect of our life, to pursue holiness in every aspect of our lives. Uh, and of course, Elder Benji spoke last week on the necessity to steward the grace that God has given to us, that God has entrusted to us, whether that is our, our time, our treasures, or our talents. All of these things pointing to the responsibilities of not just those who are looking to be part of a church, but all believers, everyone who professes to be a follower of Christ. Now, as we've been saying, this is all for the purpose of initiating the the process of church membership later in the month of June. So keep that in mind as we continue this series. But also, whether or not you you have been a long time coming to Plus Life, or you've been here from the beginning, or you just started joining us in the past few months, past few weeks, we ask that you would keep membership in prayer. We ask that you would consider whether or not Plus Life is the home church that God is calling you to partner with, to journey with in this Christian, in your Christian life, in this walk, in this life. And so continue to keep that in mind. Continue to pray for that as we go through this series, as we discuss the responsibilities and expectations of, of what church membership looks like, but also what, uh, what a growing and mature Christian walk looks like. Now this morning, we come to the fourth article or the fourth responsibility in our community guideline, and that is submit to eldership. Submit to eldership. Our community guideline document states, members are expected to submit to the eldership in the teaching of God's word, which includes the statement of convictions, and in the governance of the church. Within this care includes church discipline, that may be administered when needed and set forth by scripture for the spiritual restoration of a fallen member and the edification of the church family. Now, 
of all the responsibilities that we've discussed so far and we're probably going to be discussing in this series, I believe this necessity to submit to elders or leaders of the church is probably the most controversial or loaded statement in this document. And that's primarily because, humanly speaking, we have a sin nature that likes to rebel, right? Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verse uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 7 to 8, For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's laws. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So the, what the Bible is saying is that in our natural state, we are hostile towards God, rebellious against Him and His laws. In our sinful humanity, we are naturally rebels against God. Now that's God, right? That's the highest authority, that's the supreme source of all that is moral and good and righteous. If in our natural state, we rebel against the highest authority, how much more the authorities beneath God or below God or the authorities that God has in place or has, has put in place in his churches. If we are willing to, to, to rebel against the highest authority, how much the leaders of the church. And of course, you know, I, I see this firsthand, this, this nature in us to, to rebel, right? My, my son Judah, he's two this year and he'll be turning three in July. And man, they weren't kidding about, you know, the terrible twos, Right? Like, seriously, there's, there, there are definitely times now where you tell him not to do something, and he'll blatantly look at you and do it. It's like, Judah, don't plug that into the wall. Don't plug. And he'll look at you and slowly do it, even though he knows that you're telling him not to. That's human nature. Right? I have a depraved son. That's, someone pray for him, please. Right? Someone needs to disciple this kid. Of course I do. Um, and that's my son, again, that's my son disobeying me. That's not my son disobeying his father. How much more Christians who have to submit to someone that's not their parent or someone that's not their boss, just another imperfect human being with a title. And of course, the society around us doesn't help, right? It's all about fight the patriarchy, right? Or equality this and equity this or be your own boss, all notion of submission is replaced with the idea of resistance. Now on the flip side, some churches are not at all helpful as well. We've discussed this in the past here at Plus Life, but maybe you've heard this statement in the church before. Touch not the Lord's anointed. Anybody? Right? In certain church traditions, that statement is often used to protect leaders or elders or pastors from criticism. It's like, Pastor Ian just misquoted that verse. Touch not the Lord's anointed. But he's preaching heresy. No, touch not the Lord's anointed. But he's sinning. Just don't touch him, please. Right? It's like, no, that's not what the Bible calls for. And by the way, that passage is grossly taken out of context. That passage has in 1 Chronicles, 1 Chronicles 16, the passage has more to do with God's sovereignty to keep his will intact rather than the protection of some bad leaders. All of that to say, some churches don't make it easy to submit to leaders, to pastors or elders. Now, what adds to these sentiments of rebellion are, of course, our own experiences. Maybe you're here this morning and you've had some bad experience or some trauma from bad leaders in your life. Maybe it was a merciless boss who berated you, who belittled you, 
at work. Maybe it was a school teacher who made you feel less than who you are or embarrassed you in front of others. Maybe it was a parent or a loved one who, who instead of leading you in a loving and God-honoring way, just abused you and treated you without love. And, and, and the truth is, maybe it was a past leader in the church. Maybe it was a pastor in the, in the church who, who made you feel ashamed and guilty. Along with everything that we've already said about the world and you know, our human nature, our own experiences with bad leadership makes it difficult to submit to the leaders of the church today. Regardless, of, again, regardless of the context, and understandably so. Yet the example we see throughout Scripture is that when God established His church, He puts He puts in place certain qualified individuals to, to specifically oversee His people. Ephesians chapter four. Let's look at that. Ephesians chapter four, verse eleven to twelve, and He gave the apostles the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. That's the biblical pattern for every Christian, not just those who are in a local church, but for everyone who professes to be a follower of Christ, to be part of the body of Christ. Listen, and then let me add this, right? When you go through the New Testament, you will never find a believer in the New Testament that doesn't belong to a local church. Never. Or or rather, not not even that, but you'll never find a believer that doesn't have someone over them or overseeing them. Even the Apostle Paul, for all the great work that he did as a missionary to the Gentiles, all the church plants that he did, all all the letters that he wrote to edify the church, we read in Galatians chapter 2 that he still needed the blessing of the brothers in Jerusalem and that he had to incorporate the teachings and the practices of the apostles in his teachings as well. All of that to say, God patterned his church to have under shepherds or, or, or overseers, pastors, elders to keep watch over God's sheep. That's the design. And as much as we may have plenty of valid reasons as to why we find it difficult to submit to our leaders, understand that, understand that to go against that, to go against the biblical design for the churches of God and how believers are to live their lives under the governance of faithful ministers, that is in direct rebellion against God's will and design for your Christian life. Listen, if you're a Christian who's uncomfortable with, with, with simply, sorry, if you're a Christian and you're, you're just comfortable with simply church hopping, or just floating around without getting plugged into a church community, or getting under a spiritual governance over your life, Understand that these, that's a good sign that you're spiritually immature. It's a good sign that, that you haven't fully grasped God's design and plan for your Christian walk, as well as his plan for the church. So my prayer this morning, church, loved ones, is that if that's you, if you have not submitted yourself to the spiritual governance of, of the elders of this church or any other church that God has called you to, my prayer is that you would. My prayer is that you would get in line, get in step with God's plan and design for how your life is to grow, how you are to get, how you are to be part of the local body of Christ. That through our passage this morning, your perspective it would change, that you'd be convinced and convicted by the Spirit to 
To submit yourself to leadership. To submit yourself to the elders of whichever church that God has called you to. Because as we've, as we're, we're, we've been saying throughout this series, right? These, these values and these responsibilities, expectations, they're not just for those who, who want to join Plus Life as a member. They're for every believer, every Christian. As we always say in, in, at this church, right? You cannot do this Christian life alone. You really can't. You were saved into a family of God. You were saved into a community of God, not to go on your own individually. And in, in that community, in that ecclesia, God appointed overseers, elders, pastors to watch over your soul. So my hope, church, fellow believers, the Holy Spirit would guide you to stir your heart to submit to the elders of whichever church God has led you to serve in. God leads you to serve in. And that through the word this morning, you would be reminded of how we go about submitting to our leaders. Now, as we'll see, as we unpack the word this morning, I want to do very something very, do something very specific. And that is to focus in on the heart that we are to have when we do submit to our leaders. We sort of already have an understanding of what submission is, right? And, and how it looks like. We've talked about that before in our church. But what I love about our passage this morning is that it focuses not on, on the external demonstrations of, of submission, right? But rather the internal heart behind it, the perspective of how we are to submit. And so with that said this morning, I want to look at how we are to submit the heart, the perspective behind submitting to our elders. So with that said, let's, let's jump into our passage. Someone say jump for me. Let me say it again. I got to drink more water here, sir. Amen. Now, right from the beginning of our passage, the, the writer of Hebrews already lays out for us how our heart ought to be when we, are, when we submit to our leaders. He says in verse 17, obey your leaders. Very simple, right? Now, understandably, if you look at this, play, uh, at this sort of face value, the first thing that we probably imagine is a laundry list of things that we need to do to be able to obey our leaders. Maybe go to church, uh, give your tithe, uh, read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, 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 right? There's a list of things that automatically pops into our heads when we're thinking about obedience. But as we'll see, again, as we unpack our passage the writer of Hebrews is not simply giving us a list of things to do to show that we are submitting to our leaders, but rather he's addressing the heart situation, the heart behind submission. And that's all the more illustrated by the word he uses here for obey in the original Greek. It's a, in the original Greek, it's pytho, pytho, meaning to be persuaded by, to have confidence in, persuaded enough by something to the point where you are ready to submit to it, enough confidence in something to obey it. That's the sentiment that the Spirit is trying to to get at through this statement, obey your leaders. So how are we to submit? Submit with confidence. Submit with confidence. Confidence in what? In the preacher, in in the elders, uh, in the pastor? To some degree, yes. Right? We are to have trust or confidence in those whom God has placed over us, for sure. But infinitely more than the man, our confidence should be in the one who called the man. 
Our trust ought to be in the God who is sovereign, who appoints, who calls individuals to serve him, to be leaders of the local church. Our confidence should be in the God who sovereignly ordains and places leaders in their positions. Look what Paul says in Romans chapter 13. We've read this before as well. All of you must obey those who rule over you. There are no authorities except the ones God has chosen. Those who now rule have been chosen by God. So whoever opposes the authorities opposes leaders whom God has appointed. Those who do that will be judged. This passage in Romans 13 is primarily focusing on secular governments or leaders in the world. But So now if Paul is saying that even those corrupt politicians, those tyrannical rulers of this world are ordained and sovereignly put in power by God to do his will, how much more the leaders of the local church? If we are called to obey the, the godless governments of this world, and, and we do, right? You know, we, 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 we drive the speed limit, right? For two years, we wore masks and stayed indoors, right? So we do obey the secular governments. How much more should we obey the leaders, the elders, the pastors that God has entrusted us to, to the care of the church to? And listen, let me make myself clear, even more clear here, right? Because this isn't another version of the, you know, touch not the Lord's anointed, right? I'm not saying that we blindly obey everything that our leaders tell us to just because God has put them in place or ordained them. No, that's not what it means. And that's definitely not what the Bible teaches. The Bible gives us clear parameters of when we are to disobey leaders, from governments to elders and pastors, our leaders, and, and in two specific circumstances. If our leaders tell us to do something that God has explicitly told us not to do, and when our leaders prohibit us from doing something that God has told us to do. On those two grounds alone, as believers, we must disobey. It's called civil disobedience. So if ever I or one of the elders tells you to do something sinful, please, for the love of the Savior, disobey us, right? Or if, if we or the government prohibits us from doing something that God has told us to do, like say, I don't know, like gather together for worship, then as believers, we have the obligation to disobey. So again, it's not about blindly obeying our leaders in everything, but trusting that it's God who has placed our leaders, these leaders over our lives in the church, that God has a purpose for even a bad leader over your life as, as much as he has a purpose for the good leaders. We are to submit with confidence. And listen, it's the same thing on the flip side of things, right? On the flip side of the coin here, as a pastor, as one of the leaders of the, of the church, I'll be, for, I'll be the first to admit that you know, I'm not perfect, Right? I have a lot of inadequacies and flaws and insecurities when it comes to my position as your pastor here at the church. And I know that there can always be someone better, you know, a John Piper or a John MacArthur that can step in place and, and, you know, see this church flourish in great ways. But I have to trust the same confidence that I'm calling you to have confidence in. And I have to have confidence that God is the one who has placed me in this position. My confidence is in the same thing. My trust is in the fact that it's God, the one, it's God who calls me to, to this church, to be a minister at this church. That God is the one who has entrusted you to my care. 
So that even in my inadequacies, even in my insecurities, I can confidently serve God with, uh, and stand before you knowing that it's God who put me here. And listen, if you look at Paul's letters, by the way, you'll see it's the same sort of mentality. It's the same sort of confidence in his own ministries. If you ever take a look at or study at, at Paul's letters, how does he always open his letters? Right? Let me give you some examples here. First Timothy chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by command of God our Savior. Romans chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God. Look at this one with Galatians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle, not from men, nor through men, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Paul's confidence over his ministry was not in himself, not in his knowledge of scripture, not in his capabilities or skills or preaching skills. His confidence was in the fact that it was Christ who called him, Christ who willed him to be in that office. And listen, it's the same thing for all our leaders in this church. Maybe you're a leader in this church, a deacon, an elder, and you've been thinking, man, you know, I'm making an impact. Am I actually being used for God's glory? Should I be in this position, right? Listen, God has you in your office for a reason. Regardless of how you feel about your, your gifting, about your leadership skills, about your admin skills, Your place in the church is a manifestation of God's grace in your life. A gift that he has given to you, not because you deserved it, not because you have earned it. You did not earn your position. It's all by God's grace. And listen, if you have a position of leadership in the church, understand that the elders and the deacons have spent hours on our knees praying for you. Praying that it would be in God's will to put you in that position that you are in today. Don't lose sight of that. It's not by your credentials. It's by the will and call of God that you are in that place, in that position. Don't get it twisted, right? If you're in a position of leadership, remember that we did not call you there. God called you there. So church, whether you are in leadership or not now, right? Place your confidence in God. Trust that God has a plan, a purpose as to why he has placed certain leaders over your life. Listen, maybe we can look at it this way, right? Do you think God thinks so little of you that he would entrust your care to just anyone? Let me say that again. Do you think God thinks so little of you that he would entrust your care to just anyone? Of course not. He's the good shepherd, and as the good shepherd, he doesn't leave his sheep to to hired hands who will flee or who will lead his sheep astray. He will leave his sheep to trusted under-shepherds, overseers, pastors, and elders. So submit with confidence. Now, keeping in line with how the heart of submission should look like, the, the writer of Hebrews goes on to say, of course, at the top of our passage, obey your leaders and submit to them. The word he uses here now is hupaiko, hupaiko, meaning to retire or withdraw. The imagery is, that he's trying to invoke is that of a battle, 
seen, right? Two opposing sides going at each other, going against each other until one side yields or surrenders or withdraws their troops to submit to the other. Now the use of this imagery is very specific and very uh, purposeful in this discussion about submitting to leadership because that's essentially what submission is. There are, there's oftentimes two conflicting sides, two opposing opinions in the matter, and, and oftentimes, one side, or oftentimes one side has to submit. Listen, it is difficult to submit to anyone at all if you think your view, your perspective, your opinion is better or always right. Let me put it this way, right? Conflict arises when the desire to be correct supersedes the need for consensus. When it's your way or the highway, or, or, or you think you can do a better job than brother so-and-so in this position, or, or you think that deacon so-and-so should, should be conducting ministry in this way. And until, you do th- and until they do things your way or, or, or go with your preference, well, guess what? You're, you're not, I'm not submitting to anyone. I'm not following. I'm not obeying. Can I just say, that smells, that smells a lot like pride, right? It's not that your way is right or your opinion is better. They just sound, just, that's straight up pride. Those are literally the words that Lucifer said right before he fell, right? You know, you know I, I'm going to climb to the throne of God. I could do a better job, a better job than God, right? That was, that was his mindset. You know, my plan is better, right? His, his approach would be better, or even that he deserved the position. And as a result, he rebelled against God, and Lucifer fell. See, pride is the root, and rebellion is a fruit. And so what the writer of Hebrews is calling us to do is to withdraw our opinion. Remove our sense of having to be right all the time and be correct all the time and be affirmed all the time and instead replace it with humility. Humility. In order so, so that we can submit with cooperation. Submit with cooperation. Look at Philippians chapter 2 with me. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2 verse 3 says... Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. In order for us to truly submit, we must learn to put ourselves second and others first. That's essentially what humility is. It's simply relinquishing our pride, our ambitions, our preferences, our opinions, our our rights. And we raise, we elevate the needs of others above our own. And in the context of submitting to leadership, we are are to to elevate the guidance and direction of the, the leaders of our church above our own expectation, above our own preferences and opinions. I love, by the way, the illustration that Paul uses to communicate uh, what humility looks like in that passage in Philippians chapter 2. Keep reading in verse 5. It says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who through, or, sorry, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. The example 
we have of humility is Jesus himself. Though Jesus was God, he chose to veil his divinity in order to come in the form of humble man. This is contrast to what we do, right? And, and even contrast to what the devil did, right? We're just the, the, the creation claiming the authority of the creator. That's pride. Meanwhile, here is Jesus who is the creator claiming no authority as he steps into creation and humility. That's the example we have. When we are humble, we can submit with cooperation. Listen, you will not like every single decision that we make as leaders. That's the truth of it. That's the truth of it. But the, but the ask from us is, and, and what scripture calls us to is cooperation. To cooperate together, to strive together, to stand together, to set aside the arguments and, and the opinions and the preferences and the traditions and come together to, for the work of the gospel. Let the gospel be the reason why we set aside our petty differences and selfish preferences. Let the gospel be the reason why we set aside man's ambitions and prideful inclinations. Let the gospel be what binds us together and unites us for the kingdom of God. And listen, right, this point is just building off the first point that we just talked about, right? Have confidence. Have confidence that the decisions that we make as leaders, as elders, are done so with much prayer, with much discernment, with much counsel, with much seeking the Lord, and much love. Everything that we do is for God's glory and your good, church. Even church discipline, as we read in the statement, right? It's like, uh, you know, I, I know this more, more than ever, right? As a parent talking to a disobedient kid, right? I, I do not want to discipline my son when he does bad things. But as a loving parent, it's done out of love. And it's the same thing for church discipline, which, uh, which is interesting because in our life groups, whenever that topic came up, it's like everyone had tons of questions. Like, well, what if this happened and this happened? Well, if, how about this scenario? It's like... Okay, we get it. You don't like church discipline. No one does. And we don't too, right? We don't want to be at that point as elders say like, oh my goodness, now we have to talk to Brother Mark and bring him up on the stage and like shame him, not shame him, but you know, rebuke him in front of the entire church because he's eating red meat and getting gout all the time. Like, come on. <laughs> we don't want to do that. But whenever that happens, and thankfully it hasn't happened yet in our church, it's, all, it's always done out of heart of love. Scripture says that, that church discipline is meant to be done to restore the brother or the sister back to the faith, back to, back to the community of believers in love. So all of that to say, right, everything, you, might, you, you won't agree with everything, every decision that we make. But understand that it's done with the purpose of love and the glory of God. Now, back to our, our main passage, right? Our main passage is reminding us of this, this reality, reminding us of what the intention or the, the heart of, of the leader ought to be or where we're coming from. <coughs> uh, verse 17, look at that with me. So, well, let's go back to the top. Obey your leaders and submit to them. For they are keeping watch over your souls as though who will have to give as as those who will have to give an account. 
The writer of Hebrews gives us context as to what the motivations are, what the heart is of every leader over you, or at least what it ought to be, to carefully watch over the believer's soul. And, 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 and that right there is the weight of leadership. If ever, you know, you're, you're jealous of someone else's position in the church or you are, you're aspiring to be an elder or a leader of the church, listen, this is the weight that you'll have to bear. To have to bear. The burden that those who, who God calls to the office has to carry. As our pastor says, as one who will give, who, as one who will have to give an account. An account of what? Of our faithfulness to serve, of our, our time in ministry and, and how we led those that God has entrusted to us, how we cared for, for our, our, our people's souls, God himself will hold us leaders accountable for how we stewarded the souls of his people. Now listen, that is a terrifying thought in reality. A heavy, a heavy burden for all teachers of the word, uh, all pastors who care for a church, all elders who oversee a church. Right? James chapter 3, verse 1 says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers. For you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. That's why the Bible so often warns anyone who would aspire to be a teacher of the, of the word, to take care of their doctrine, to watch over their conduct. Because what we do, what we preach, what we say on the platforms that God has given to us has great impact on the lives of other believers. And listen, as, you, as your pastor, this is what keeps me faithful to the work, right? What keeps me accountable to the work, what keeps me motivated in ministry. Know that it is my joy and, and privilege to see your faith grow, to see you all mature in the faith, to see you go from one state of glory to another. And I, and I had the pleasure of, of seeing that growth in so many of you. To be the tool in which God uses to mature your faith every weekend, but... Understand that it's also, this, this privilege is also what keeps me up at night. In fear and trembling, in having to discipline my own body, lest I, I myself become disqualified after preaching, as Paul says. The judgment I would incur in the event that I, I, I would lead any of you to sin or to stumble or to be led astray. That's what keeps me running to God every single time for help and mercy and strength in this ministry. You know, it's funny because I, I, I talk with a group of pastors from time to time to, you know, um, to be spiritually fed and to be kept accountable on things. And this is often the point of our discussions, how, how ministry is difficult. It's joyful, but it's difficult. And how much we need God to lead his sheep or how, how much we need God's help to lead his sheep, to lead his flock. Because the, the weight, the burden of leadership, no man can carry on his own. That's what the writer of Hebrews is reminding us of in our passage. Again, he says, let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. See, even our attitudes, right? How we delight in the ministry is something we need to watch over as leaders. And so now he gets to, to the ask part of it, right? Like the responsibility of those under leaders. He says, he gets to how we should then respond knowing that this is the kind of weight that the leaders of the church has to carry, has to bear. He says in verse 18, pray for us. For we are sure that we have a clear conscience desiring to act honorably in all things. I urge you the more earnestly to do this, to pray 
in order that I may be restored to you the sooner. The ask here is to pray for your leaders. The ask here is to consider the weight that your leaders are carrying and pray and care. The ask here is to care knowing that we care. And so if we want to be faithful in submitting to our leaders, we must submit with care. Submit with care. Your submission to us is a demonstration of your care for us. It demonstrates an understanding of the heavy weight of responsibility that we bear from God to shepherd the church. Your submission to your leaders demonstrates a desire to help take some of the load off of us. Because let me tell you, there's, there's nothing more that adds to the weight of our responsibility when you have brothers and sisters being disobedient or, 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 or bickering amongst each other or, or disobeying and doing things that, that Christians should not be doing. I mean, all we want to do, again, is to mature your faith in love, to grow you in your faith, in your walk with God. But, but as brothers rebel or sisters, you know, rebel, all of that, it, it just adds to the burden. And we start thinking, like, you know, what did we do wrong? Like parents, right? Where did I go wrong with these kids? All of that to say, submit out of care out of understanding what your leaders are having to carry. So how are we to submit? We are to submit with confidence. Confidence that it is the sovereign God who has placed the leaders of the church over you. That he has a plan and a purpose for every leader in place. We are to submit with cooperation. Setting aside our own preferences, our pride, our ambitions, our opinions, all for the sake of cooperating towards the work of the gospel. And finally, we are to submit with care. Understanding the heavy weight, the burden that our leaders have to carry. Submit willingly, joyfully, out of care for them. As we mentioned in the top of our sermon this morning, maybe you have valid reasons as to why it's difficult to submit to leadership. Again, maybe you've experienced hurts and traumas, whether inside the church, maybe workplaces, at home, where the leaders of your life weren't exactly the best, where they did not lead you in love. They did not lead, they did not lead you the way that God has called leaders to be. And as much as those reasons are valid, again, the design the pattern that we see in Scripture, in the way that, that God desires to minister to you, to heal you from that past trauma, is to submit once again to faithful leaders of the church. Leaders who are and who will faithfully care for you and minister to your souls and love on you the way that God has intended for leaders to love on you. So that's the, that's the invitation this morning. Invitation is clear. If you, first and foremost, if you have yet to submit to the leadership of Christ in your life, then understand that all this other stuff that we're talking about won't make any sense. Christ has to be the first Lord of your life. 
And so the invitation is that if you have yet to do that, if you have yet to make Christ leader of your life, or maybe you've wandered or strayed, and you made something else the leader of your life, then the invitation is to come back, to draw back. As we were singing, right, the doors are wide open, right, the, the veil is torn, the presence of God is open for all those who are willingly and humbly come to him. Make Jesus the leader of your life this morning. And then beyond that, as you continue to pray about church membership, as you continue to pray about where God is calling you to serve and the community that God is calling you to be a part of, humble your heart, prepare your heart so that you'd be able to submit to the governance of spiritual leaders over your life, under shepherds. Again, God has saved us into a community, into a church. He didn't save us to be individuals or to be alone. He saved us into a family. And in that family, he's entrusted leaders, pastors, and elders, deacons, to watch over your souls. I pray that you would submit. Let's pray. Gracious God and Heavenly Father, just first and foremost, Lord, we just want to recognize, God, many things that, that we have experienced in the past when it comes to bad leaders. The times in our past, Lord God, that it had been difficult to, to submit or makes it difficult to submit today. And I pray, oh God, for those whose hearts have still been affected or are still affected by those past experiences, that God, you would bring healing. That God, you would remind them that you are sovereign. That even in those times, Lord God, even in those experiences of bad leaders over our lives, Lord, that you have a plan and a purpose in them. And as difficult, as traumatic as they might have been, that you are still able to work them for your glory and our good. To sharpen us, to shape us into a better image of Christ. I pray, oh Lord, that you'd bring healing to those hearts. And I pray, oh God, for the hearts of every person in this room that you'd fill it with much humility. Again, Lord Jesus, you are our example of what true humility looks like. Our Savior who, who veiled his divinity just to become, just to come in humble human flesh, to experience beatings and mockery and wounds so that we can have a right relationship with you. Just so that we can make you the leader of our lives, the Lord of our lives. So fill our hearts with humility. Renew our minds with your word. I pray, Holy Spirit, you enable us to submit willingly, faithfully, carefully, 
the leaders that you have entrusted over us. We give you glory, oh God. We give you glory and trust that you have moved and that you're moving amongst your people. Let this be a day of life change, pray. In Jesus, your mighty name. Thanks for listening. We hope that you were blessed by the sermon today. If you would like to learn about the gospel or know more about our church, please visit pluslifepeople.com. Remember to subscribe for more content. Until next time, stay blessed.